on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. I says, no, I'm interested in theater. And I said, really? I mean, those are expensive tickets. Because we don't always break even. We used to. But we don't always break even. And he says, oh, no, there's hardly any overhead. It's far <laughs> less expensive yeah. to produce a theatrical production than, I mean, my gosh, compare $40,000 to the when we were doing a Christmas Carol as a full equity production, it was eighty thousand dollars. That still doesn't that it would take to do an indie film with the lowest budget you could do. Welcome to the podcast of the Ministry of Motion Pictures, where we seek to inspire Christian filmmakers, ignite a Christian film movement, and impact the new media landscape. I'm writer and director Todd Schaefer, and your host. Yes, it's been a year since our last podcast episode was released, and before we get to our guest, I'd like to share with you why. For the past year, I've supervised sequences of animation for a tentpole feature that's going to be released in the next few weeks. I've also been supervising the animation for a couple of new Looney Tunes shorts for Warner Brothers, which are being released on HBO Max, and I'm currently directing the animation for another feature film for a major studio that I cannot name uh, that will be released next spring. And given the non-disclosure agreements with these projects, I can't say much more about them until after they're released, but at that time I might do so. As many of you know, I wrote and directed the animated musical The Promise, Birth of the Messiah under the banner of Glorious Films. We're working on getting more DVDs available and making that available through streaming. I also have an animated feature that's nearly 80% complete, and it's called Prodigal the Musical. We've been trying to find completion funds and a distributor for it, It is a very unusual film for animated content, which makes it hard to place. And unfortunately, the catalogs that sales agents represent for 3D content have been saturated with low-budget films from China and other foreign countries. And this has added to the difficulty of finishing our film. We are exploring the possibility of raising completion funds through crowdfunding to finish Prodigal, and you'll hear more about that here if we do so. All that to say, I am actively working in the entertainment industry, principally in animation for most of my career, but I'm working to get my feet back into live-action production, which is where I began, and is where my heart is to most productively advance the Christian film movement. This podcast will ebb and flow given the demands of my energy and my time, but I plan to keep moving it ahead, perhaps not with as regular a schedule as other podcasts, but at the same time not having a year in between episodes. My guest today is an old friend. Though he's worked in film and radio for over 30 years, his primary passion has been the theater. He's a man who wears many hats, as many of us have to do to make a career, and sometimes that involves wearing a fedora, like he does. He's an actor, director, stage manager, playwright, screenwriter, and novelist. He was a founding member of the Santa Susana Repertory Company in the Los Angeles area. He's worked on a litany of productions from Macbeth and the Christmas Carol to War of the Worlds and South Pacific. When I found myself writing a musical, he was the first person I turned to for help. And yes, he's a lyricist as well. His name is James Egan. James is always working on numerous projects at any given time, whether for the stage or film, and always has a novel or screenplay in the works. He has a lot of experience in both secular and Christian theater productions, I invited him to the podcast to gain his perspective on Christian film and to talk about the similarities between Christian theater and Christian film. James, unfortunately, has been dealing with a back injury that has limited his ability to work, so he's currently much more focused on writing these days. 
This is episode 43. How you doing, my friend? Doing good. Busy, um, you know, as usual. How about you? I worked for a, a film company called Blue Monster for a while. Did a lot of behind the camera. I did second camera, did stop motion. Did, and I also acted in some of the shorts. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really a good thing. Uh, the It was a couple-owned Christian film company. He passed away not too long ago, maybe f- two or three years ago. And she's in Branson, Missouri, and she's also an actress. And she has now gotten some involved in a theater company there. So she has acting work as well as a regular job. Huh. She helps take care of people. And uh, um, she had written this screenplay, uh, which is a horror comedy, and wanted me to adapt it into a novel. So it's a horror uh, Christian horror comedy but christian uh, yes uh redemptive message yeah oh cool interesting so uh so on that and that's been uh i tried to get an article into uh faith-filled family magazine uh it was an interesting topic it was about the uh, health and wealth uh prosperity gospel and yeah i fall on that and um but I couldn't finish because my back issues were so bad. I had to just medicate and stay down. Oh my gosh! Um, and lay down. And uh, now I can write while I'm that way, but I'm, I can't concentrate. So yeah. I had all the. I had interviewed my pastor. I had all these great sources, and the deadline came, and they were so good to me. They said, "We don't mind. You just wait. You just wait." And finally, I said, "Look, I'm going to send you what I have, and you let me know if it's worth following up." And we can do it some other time. So I know you've been working mainly in theater, but I'd like for you to share your thoughts on what you see happening in Christian film. Uh, what uh, What's happening now in in faith-based art, and uh, which is what I wanted to talk to you about, because I yeah. know you and I have a very similar vision. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I watched uh, a small group, which was a comedy, but surprisingly enough had a very intense middle of the movie um, sequence down uh, at a missionary uh, orphanage that was really good very well acted it was very funny very well written and even when it needed to be serious it was very serious and then uh, and then Christopher Shawnshaw did um, if you haven't seen it yet church people which is hilarious my mother and I watched it together and we just uh, we couldn't stop laughing really intensely funny and and if you watch it, <clears throat> you'll recognize yourself in it. That's the thing about satire, as if you can see yeah. yourself and laugh, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. But I, it's on my list. One of the things you and I have talked about uh, time to time about our work as Christian artists and uh, upholding excellence, um, talk to me about how that works itself out in your efforts in the Christian theater, because I can imagine that the limitations you face there are even greater than what we see in Christian film. I have a passion for doing, uh, uh, is trying to be as excellent as possible in the work that we do. And when I started going to Shepherd uh, Church, they were doing a passion play. And I got involved as not only, but as a chief writer and eventually as a co-director. And uh, I got to play basically every major character. Uh, I, I didn't play Jesus on the stage because I've got, you know, a gut 
and I didn't want to see that on the cross. <laughs> so, uh, um, but I got to play everybody. It was yeah. 12 years of ministry. Oh, we're going to disappear again. It was 12 years of ministry through theatrical arts years. I learned an awful lot working with these people, tremendous vocalists and musicians. Uh, and I got to coach non-actors, which was also a blessing because we learned about acting through viewing uh, uh, the other actors as being more important than yourself yeah. and working on uh, being an ensemble, which was something that the pastor's wife sat in on and was very to hear that we were talking about, we're doing this for God and we're doing it for the audience. We're not doing it for ourselves. Yeah. And uh, we were ministering, we were sharing the gospel with thousands of people. Yeah. Very few people get a chance to do that except for pastors yeah. or people who go door to door or artists. Mm -hmm. uh book writers uh, movie makers uh had the privilege of uh working with a christmas special called the promise birth of the messiah have you heard of that I, no i have never heard of that <laughs> well i suggest you pick it up and watch it at christmas <laughs> anyway no that was a blessing i have to tell you because um i had just injured myself and and it looked like the work i was doing which is theater work as an actor and sometimes as a director and definitely as a playwright. But um, all that was gone except for the yeah. writing end of it because I couldn't move. I mean, I could move, but it, it just was uh, a painful. And I was on heavy medication, which I'm on right now, by the way. That's why I'm probably kind of rambling because it does that to you. <laughs> but um, it was an intense pain this morning. So yeah. this isn't going away because that happened in. 2011 so oh 10 word. years of this but anyway you called and uh you you actually texted me i think while i was in physical therapy they were asking me what do you do and i said well right now i'm waiting for an answer from a film company in canada about working on songs for their musical and right then you texted me and you hired me. Oh, and uh i got to do that work on your, on your time which gave me time to rest. Yeah. So I would work on a song, I would send it to you and, and the producer and the composer, and we'd work it out, uh, work out the lyrics and work out the phrasing so it matched his music. And, yeah. and then uh, uh, you'd get back to me. And sometimes it would be two or three days before I heard back from you, which gave me some, a break, which was, uh, you know, a great way to work. And I was very pleased with the results. I think it's an excellent animated film. And the reason I don't have a copy of it with me is because I gave it to somebody for Christmas. <laughs> and uh, it was our mailman yeah. who happened to be a Christian. That's and, great. Uh, you've been doing a lot more writing lately and you've been writing a few novels. I have a beta uh, book right now at inkit.com, I-N-K-I-T-T. Uh, dot com. It's called Inner World, and it's a satire on fantasy, but it has a Christian worldview. And it's gotten a lot of great reviews, not just by people I know, but a lot of people I don't know. And yeah. so it's been a success, but they're not ready to publish it yet. So I may just take it out of their hands and do it myself like I did the other two, because indie publishing is where a lot of authors are going now. Yeah. You have control over everything. Right. So Jennifer and I, she's the person I'm writing the book with. We wrote a horror movie it's pretty funny it's a horror comedy um and its message is basically sin is dead and um the uh, uh her husband who was alive at the time 
was budgeted it. He was going to produce it. And so it's all ready to go. Uh, I don't know that a Christian film company would want to pick it up because of the nature of the of the story. Is that is that a contained kind of horror film? Is that something Jennifer could shoot with yeah. the team? Uh, yeah, basically it's it's uh, interiors, but um, I think there's a couple of exteriors uh, in it. But the um, the general feel of the film is like a night gallery. There are four vignettes, but there's a story that the host weaves you through. That's his story. And he is a uh, supernatural character. Hmm. And um, which really, when you come to anthologies, usually the host just tells you what the next one's going to be about. They're not, they don't have their own thread. Well, he has an arc, he has a character arc, he has, he uh, has a romantic interest and, uh, and it has a very funny ending. Uh, it's, it's um, definitely gothic, but it's very funny. But there's a lot of bloodletting in the two that I wrote because um, my point of view from those two, uh, they're both funny. So it's over the top, but that uh, one of them has to do with um, cheating on your spouse. And that doesn't just hurt you or, or your spouse, it hurts everybody. The Prince and the Cowboy, which I wrote with Mike Bradford, yep. which is a family-friendly yep. Christmas comedy, already a production company is interested. I'd really oh. uh, a Glorious Films to take a look at it before I send it off to other places. But Mike and I loved working on that. He is a record producer and a singer-songwriter. He's brilliant, very funny. So anyway, he has an album out called The Long Night. And I just... Uh, N-I-G-H-T, you know. Uh, it, is, it has a very dark sound to it, a lot of electronics, which is brilliant. Anyway, I wanted to say something um, that is very interesting that Christians who don't understand why we pursue excellence in art when they think all you need to do is present the gospel. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's room for didactic or pedantic uh, theater in church that's what my other book was justice lament it's a bunch of skits for youth groups to do in sunday school or in, in their bible study classes or home uh meetings uh or camp but um they uh they they have a message it's specific to a scripture uh, and so there's a place for that uh and uh, for youth groups it's great because then they get a lesson from it from their youth pastor but when it comes to telling story or building a craft such as acting or filmmaking or animation or, or literature, screen craft, stage craft, when the Jews were building the tabernacle and when they were building the temple, God insisted that they used the best artisans yeah. to make all of the artistic, valuable uh, mm -hmm. instruments, uh, the bowl for washing, uh, all the shoes and the, um, everything on the temple uh, platform or altar, even the, the Ark of the Covenant had to be specifically made by the best mm -hmm. and uh, most talented artists. So it was very important that excellence was um, utilized and yeah. it gave that 
tabernacle and it gave the temple a sense of holiness and uh, um, reverence that I think a lot of people forget that's what it was for. Um, there are churches that just don't want any artwork. We don't yeah. want any um, instrumentation for music. And we are told in, in, in Psalms to blow the trumpets, to play the string mm -hmm. instruments and to bang the drum. It's almost a mandate. Yeah. Uh, churches that utilize musicians that are excellent, they usually pay those people. Yeah. And that's, right. um, that's uh, because that's what they do. You know I mean? That's, mm -hmm. Everybody in, in the Old Testament would give sacrifice. Well, that sacrifice went to feed the musicians as well as the poor mm -hmm. and went to feed the um, the priest and the teachers as well as the poor so yeah. it was essential that people respected the artist yeah and i think I mean, that that uh, is something i, I the, don't see uh, much of it has been very arts friendly uh david appointed a family called the court named the Korahites, who uh were the main musicians uh starting out in the temple and it says in, in um, was it, is it Deuteronomy where it's uh, God's spirit came upon Bezalel uh, to lead um, uh, the artisans and he gave him knowledge and wisdom in the use of metals and um, design and all that. And um, right. I think it was a whole, a who was the sort of second to uh, Bezalel in, in working in this, but, you know, God sent his spirit to, endow these men with the skill uh to do that yeah i i i believe that uh that god endows us with talents mm -hmm. and um we need to utilize them for him yeah yep. but not just bury it and hide it away i may actually get a chance to do a christmas carol again it's an adaptation that i was hired to write and they let me keep the rights and uh it's got you know, um, Charles Dickens was a Christian. He might not have been the best Christian, but he was a believer. And mm. you can definitely see it if you read the whole book, not an uh, abridged book of A Christmas Carol. It's definitely there. Mm. So I kept all that, uh, elaborated on it a bit. And uh, it was a secular theater company, but they loved it. And, and where we were performing is a very well-churched area. So it was a very popular with the locals so it's been run almost 21 maybe 22 years so that's been a really positive experience how long has it been since you've been a part of those i started with santa susanna rep company in 1989 and that's the same company but they changed names when they moved to thousand oaks they are now thousand oaks uh repertory corporation so i got my union card through them and then through that union card which is actors equity in the united states actors equity association i was able to get my sag card screen actors guild now it's sag aftra so any uh, i did a lot of radio work i did two seasons of a radio comedy a play um buddy shell metaphysical private investigator i think it's on youtube um i know there's some live action uh, videos, but I, I, I wasn't involved in those. But uh, um, so I started my career pretty early. I was still in college when I started earning money. I worked at the Park Melodrum and Vaudeville Company, which was all comedies. And, and so you, you had to learn how to host a show, how to deal with uh, uh, 
hecklers, which yeah. I didn't deal with very well when I first started. <laughs> and uh, uh, but uh, but I did about ten or eleven, maybe twelve shows there. What do you think about live streaming one of those productions? Would there be any value in that? Yeah, there would be, and that that would be up to the producers, you know, to to make that happen. They have my full. Uh, I own the rights, but uh, they have my full permission to do anything they want. Okay. Um, and as far as me being a playwright, this is my theater company. I helped found it. I don't want to interfere with them financially. So if they can do it for free, do it for free. They paid me so well over the years. Now, other people have done it, and I've gotten royalties from. I know that uh, uh, our former um, artistic director, Lane Davies, was out in Prague. And he called me or texted me, I don't know, but he wanted me to come out to Prague and bring both versions of A Christmas Carol and um, direct it. Well, I couldn't do it because of the back. I said, I just can't, I can't even do the one here in Thousand Oaks. I don't know if you know this, but The Promise, we've been contacted a few times over the years. People are doing live performances of The Promise in Malaysia, Korea. And I want to say Thailand. Uh, by the way, thank you for letting me adapt it for the stage. That was uh, also a great job. I have a 90-minute version if you wanted to do like a Broadway style. Um, okay. And that's just ready whenever you, whenever you want it. Um, we budgeted it with, um, with Thousand Oaks because I would want to do it with union actors because it would be a presentation to local pastors mm. um, who might want to do a big Christmas show because we have mega churches out here. Yeah. And uh, so they budgeted it at 40,000. So if you wanted to raise $40,000 to have you, your, uh, your show done, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. It's a lot cheaper than a uh, film. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I, I spoke to a uh, Broadway producer like i told you about mike bradford and he owns the rights to some pretty good shows but we were talking about possibly you know we were talking about the prince and the cowboy would he be interested in that he says no i'm interested in theater and i said really i mean those are expensive tickets and because uh, we don't always break even we used to but we don't always break even and he says oh no there's hardly any overhead it is so it's far <laughs> less expensive yeah. to produce a theatrical production than i mean my gosh compare forty thousand dollars to two million when we yeah. were doing a christmas carol as a full equity production it was eighty thousand dollars that still yeah. doesn't have two million that it would right. take to do an indie <laughs> film with the lowest budget you can do yeah i can see the attraction of theater there there seems to be a less financial risk and if you have a success in the right venue, it can be more profitable than the average indie film, I'd say. And without the distribution headaches, the marketing's more localized, so it's simpler. I, I can see his point. But I'm a film guy. I just love the cinema. And for all its headaches, it's hard for me to think in terms of another storytelling medium. But for you, it's been great. You've done a lot of work in secular productions in the theater. You wrote the play for A Christmas Carol, which has been running for decades. Um, what's it been like for you as a Christian running a show in that world? Well, when we opened A Christmas Carol, I got to do it with Walter Koenig, Alan Hunt from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, 
Annie Lockhart from Battlestar Galactica, and Lane Davies, he played a villain in Lo uh, twice in Lois and Clark, uh, The New Adventures of Superman. So I was, uh, I was in heaven. There's all these great sci-fi people. And then we did a radio show of H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. We did the uh, Mercury Theater script. And not only were they in it, but so was Dirk Benedict and um, Herb Jefferson. Uh, both of them are from Battlestar Galactica. And Maggie Egan, no relation, but we're in touch with each other, uh, from uh, um, Babylon 5. And we'll, at that time, he was living will windham so that was terrific too and i mean these people are real people that grounded they're down to earth they'll listen to you and if you love them and that's what shows they're more than interested to talk about jesus even though they're they have a different religion or maybe an atheist hmm. um but you show love and you show compassion and you and respect to everybody that you work with they're going to listen to you not think you're insane yeah, and uh, if you can laugh at yourself, that's also a really, a really good thing. And um, when David Himes was living, uh, when we were doing a Christmas Carol, I walked into the dressing room. I had just turned thirty-two, and Lane Davies looked at me and says, "Well, you outlived Jesus." And I said, "Eh, no, I didn't." And David thought, "Oh no, I'm going to be sitting next to a religious fanatic for the rest of this <laughs> this run." And we just—that wasn't the case, you know. We just got along so great. And he came out and did the passion play twice and he got back involved with his church and he uh, got back involved with the Lord. And uh, so when he passed, he went home. That was a, all of a sudden our president of our company is a, is a Christian and, and a lot of people that do the show. And there's a lot of people that aren't that do the show and, and love it uh, because they love the message. Mm -hmm. And the message, the gospel is a good message. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to savor, uh, we need to savor our words, you know, with salt. And um, it's interesting that these uh, illustrations of food are brought up when Jesus talks about sharing the gospel because he always fed people and then yeah. he preached. Talk to me a little bit about Christian theater or theater in utilized by the church or outside the church. We know a lot about Christian film. We don't know a lot about Christian theater unless you're talking about sight and sound and, and those kinds of things. So maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about what's, yeah. what's going on today in Christian theater. I think the same kind of thing that's going on in Christian film. There are a lot of writers and directors who want excellence. They want a story. And they want to tell a story and they don't want it to necessarily be pedantic. You know, we're, we're teaching a lesson as if you were in a classroom. They want the show to be moving. They want it to be entertaining uh, because in actuality, you retain that. Yeah. If you get the joke, if it's a comedy and you get the joke, that's an intellectual process. That means you understand what's being said. So uh, years ago, uh, I did a Saturday Night Live type of sketch comedy that was uh, well favored with the um, local churches, but my church did not like it at all. At that time, I wasn't with Shepherd, I was with another church. And we were asked not to do it again, even though I was starting to do another show. So that was kind of hard, uh, but they didn't mind bringing in companies that were very mediocre. 
no real acting training and no real thread of a story, just a message being spoken in acting one, uh, one-on-one style, you know, that these people are not trained. They're, they don't know anything about the art and the writers certainly don't know anything. And uh, so that was uh, always what I had to fight against. Uh, in other, in other places that I, I tried to, you know, I'm a musician too. So I got a lot of worship teams and those were great. But, and, and so music was really, that was the start. Actually in the seventies, the um, Jesus movement, some of the best music came out of that time. And I'm gonna plug it right now. Terry Scott Taylor, uh, who is the brainchild of Daniel Amos and the Swirling Eddies and, and the Lost Dogs. I don't know if I could say the brainchild, but he leads them. He does a lot of the songwriting. Uh, is having a, uh, he's finishing up a solo album and he's had a lot of people on that album that are terrific artists like Phil Kage and um, Rob Watson. And uh, I think Marty Deckmeyer went in and did some bass work for him. Yeah, it takes me back. I was a big fan of Daniel Amos when I was in my college years. So as you've worked with a lot of churches, as a professional, what kind of advice could you give churches who are involved in creating theatrical productions uh, for their community as part of a ministry? I think what churches need to do that aren't doing it is pay attention to what, uh, what really makes people excited as an audience. Pay attention to what they listen to, to what's popular, not necessarily to copy it, but to understand why it's popular. Mm -hmm. Why do people like it? Why do people love Phantom? Why? You know, it's a beautiful musical and it's so well done. Well, James, it's been a pleasure talking to you about a world that I know very little about. And though we work in two very different mediums, there is a clear kinship to what we do and what we strive for. I know your back issues have taken a toll on your active work, and I pray that you'll be able to return to what you love and do so well, and that your writing efforts get the traction that they deserve. Maybe one day we'll be able to work together on something bigger than what we did on The Promise. So give my Great. love Thanks, to your James. family. I will do that. Thank you so much, James. Okay, God bless you. In our next episode, Stephen McCaskill will be with us, the filmmaker behind the documentaries Luther, Puritan, The Church, and the series with Tim Chawley's Epic and Around the World Journey Through Christian History. Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Ministry of Motion Pictures podcast. To find out more about James Egan, there will be links to his work in the show notes of this episode. And for more information about the Ministry of Motion Pictures, you can find us at ministryofmotionpictures.org. What we do in life echoes in eternity.